you know, it's a, it's the old computer edits. Just kill it and start over, and sometimes things work better. But don't worry, if there's a problem, yo, we'll solve it. <laughs> Check out your hook. Oh, well, no, a Devo, no, Valdo. Oh, God. <laughs> He's coming. Wait, Wait, Vanilla Ice is coming? Oh, oh yeah, him, Coolio... Some other. So it is his like his rapping capacity, not his like hard rock capacity. Yeah, he had like a like it was verging on metal, I think. Yeah, he like, did. He did Ice Ice Baby as like a metal version, didn't he? Wasn't that on the album? I I do think so, but I don't remember the song itself very. Well. I feel like you were the one to show me that way back when. Oh, maybe it was me. See, here's the thing: if I went to that and he didn't do ninja rap, I would ask for a refund. <laughs> Play those two songs I know, Ice Ice Baby and Ninja Rap. I don't hey, even do care you, about Ice Ice Baby. Do you Just guys do wanna, Ninja Rap. Do you guys want to go get like real authentic Ninja Turtle costumes and go <laughs> to the concert? Because that would be fucking amazing. I mean, if you can find them. <laughs> I, I can't dance like that, though. So just a heads no, up. Just, I might spin like, around on the shell or something. Like this. Yeah, just get up go, there and... Go. Go. Ninja. Ninja. Rap. I mean, if you if you can find the costumes, I'm in. Let's just all like agree and say, yes, we're going to do it, and then no one else does it but Andy. And he's the only one that's a turtle. It'll look weird, because I'll be the only Donatello there, right? I was going to say, we all show up as Michelangelo and look at each other like, what the fuck? We should have coordinated this better. Yeah, we should have thought about this. I can't wait until we're done recording and then everyone's just scrolling like Facebook or Twitter or something and we all just start seeing ads for Ninja Turtle costumes. <laughs> yep. Because our phones are all listening. In on yes, right exactly. Now. Big Brother is listening. I mean, I search Ninja Turtle stuff often enough anyways. So... <laughs> it's not weird yeah. to me. It's just going to yeah. pop up anyway. As, as the costumes go, we know that they didn't retain the good ones from the first two movies for the third it's true. So it's not it's like true. they got worn out. Like, there's got to be somewhere. I feel like the first movie was still even better than the second movie. I feel like they just got progressively worse. I agree. They looked more cartoony. They they went out of their way to make the second the second's costumes look more cartoony. Yeah. 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 Like, I feel like they added freckles and shit. Yeah. 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 And it was like the eyes. That too. Oh, the the eyes were a little bit more. Like they were both more. But the 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 the. the Headpieces were both more expressive, but also too, like, well-rounded, too polished. Yeah. I really hope Ian listens to this <laughs> podcast. I should, yeah, I should use the turtle intro just to piss him off. <laughs> he missed the turtle conversation and a chance to shit on it again. <laughs> He'll be the only comment we've had in... Two years on an episode that just says fucking turtles. <laughs> but if he's not here, whatever we're discussing on the next episode that he is a part of it, he will make sure to backtrack to give his two cents oh, yeah. on this conversation. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs>
Hello and welcome to another episode of Bright Guy and Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Libick. Joining me for this episode is someone who was able to successfully navigate the Force Maze so we can make it here for the podcast, Andy Stoles. What's up, podcast people? Uh, next, we got someone who I can count on to ward off would-be attackers with their rendition of Roxette's The Look, Josh Zorch. Uh, that has been on our go-to karaoke reference list for several years. Sarah and I do a lovely <laughs> duet. Uh, lastly, someone who may or may not have practiced some kung fu in his bathroom with the rings from the shower curtain, Mike Bradley. Why is mine always negative? <laughs> I don't know if that's <laughs> Why negative. Why would you not do that? How's that negative? I I would do that if the rings would fit around my heart. Like, yeah, that's wrist. what I was thinking. Like that sounds painful. <laughs> but yeah, I guess typically they're not as big to fit around your wrist. But come on, I mean, if I could do it, I'd be doing it right now. Okay. <laughs> I have definitely done this. Yes, <laughs> I knew it. Um, it's kind of why I'm dumb now. I slipped. I fell. I hit my head. See, now but you're adding way more to the story than I ever intended. <laughs> when I when I came to, I had a vision, a picture in my head. <laughs> A picture of the flux capacitor. <laughs> Basically. See, that's how Back to the Future starts. We're on, we're on it. So somehow I became Emmett Brown. We're there. Let's do it. Yeah, Kung Fu to Emmett Brown. Segway is there. Kung Fu Emmett Brown. <laughs> Even better. The best of both worlds. Uh, all right, so hopefully uh, you guys haven't missed us too much. I know we've been away for probably three weeks or so. Uh, our Our original plan was to record our next Rewind Theater episode. For Ghost in the Shell, we were going to do that last week. Uh, as fate would have it, we went to go see Shang Chi, and there was a commercial for a one night screening only of Ghost in the Shell on September seventeenth, which at the time of this recording is tomorrow night. Uh, so we're a few of us are actually going to go to the theater to see the movie, which I honestly never thought we would get the chance to do for a Rewind Theater episode. So that should be pretty fun. Uh, we're looking forward to that. So. As long as everything keeps on track, uh, our next episode that we put out probably will be for Ghost in the Shell. So keep an eye out for that one. Can I interlude something? Yeah, yeah. How are you guys gonna like take notes? I thought about that as well. I I like, don't. Are you gonna have like one of those little like walkie talkies? Like <laughs> click. I I thought about click <laughs> trying to use my phone like just sitting in the back and just putting my phone like dim my phone so I have a sort of a notepad there. Oh, you're gonna be one of those motherfuckers. I feel like everybody that's in the movie has seen the movie before. And I'm gonna be sitting next to him. Sit, yeah, sit in the back row and take like, your uh, talk boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I feel like it, there's a couple things that work there. One, you're assuming Ian doesn't already have ten pages of notes for this. <laughs> yeah, really, we're just gonna let him do the podcast, and we're just there for filler. <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, two, you assume I actually ever take notes, <laughs> and I, I guess Brian taking notes is really the tough part of that you make it sound like you haven't I, taken notes you've referenced I've notes before yeah i've seen you shuffle notes around before i have it's the clever ruse. i have <laughs> well sometimes it is sometimes it's like oh I'll check my notes and i, I don't actually check anything sometimes <laughs> i i the times i take notes is when i have something like i need to specifically say or when something particularly pisses me off <laughs> if something actually really pisses me off i i make sure like oh yeah yeah no, i gotta remember that yeah, I mean, if I don't, it, it's going to get to the point where if I don't take any notes during, which I'm going to really try not to do because I don't want to be the guy on my phone doing that. But as soon as the movie's over, I'm going to have to try to bring up my phone and furiously remember what I needed to talk about or say and just hurry up and try to type it while it's sort of fresh. Otherwise, we'll be screwed. That's when you bust the talk boy out in your car <laughs> and just get everything out. 
I, there probably is like just a recording feature on the, my phone. That's probably something I could do. Worst comes to worst. You, you could, but then, yeah. Then I got to transcribe it later. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll, either way, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll or see where we go. just watch it again at home. That place. might be asking too much. We'll see where we go. <laughs> you might like it. <laughs> true. True. We don't know. The jury's still out. We'll see. I'm saying if there's an anime you're going to like. So have we assigned a 60-second summary to this? Or are we just letting Ian go with it? I don't. Yeah, I don't. I really, I just kind of assumed Ian's taking the helm on most of what's going on for this episode. So I don't know if he volunteered for that one. I know he volunteered for the comic book background stuff. Okay, he's going to take that section. So, between, so we would almost want to have someone else do it because he's gonna he's gonna know all right. the background shit. So Unless we want someone someone is, who's just like superficially on the surface of the <laughs> shit. Like, <laughs> look at it this way: whoever does the summary is probably gonna get shit from Ian, no matter what. So, if you want that coming down on you during I, the episode, I'll, I'll do it tentatively. I want to see the movie first. I've never seen it, so I want to see it first, and then I'll let you know for sure if I want to do the summary or not. Okay, we'll come back well, to that. Once I see it, then, then we'll see. I don't want to. That's dedicate. the only time that I take notes. Sixty-second summary. So there you go. Uh, all right. So for this episode, we're here to talk about Shang Chi and. Also, this is another episode we probably could have recorded last week, but we delayed another week to give Andy the chance so that he could get out and see it so he could be here to join us. So that's cool. Um, whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> and I think as we talked about before in other past episodes, these movie release schedules seem to be going to shit over the last year and a half. So we're at the point where we're getting a Marvel movie basically every two months. So we just did Black Widow in July. We're doing Shang-Chi now. And as long as the current release dates hold, we're going to have Eternals in November and Spider-Man actually in December. So we got... Two other Marvel movies coming down the pipe before the end of the year. So that'll be something else to look forward to. Um, I tried to look up some of the stuff for Shang-Chi. And I remember reading about it and I was trying to find the exact tweet. Because uh, Simu Liu, who plays Shang-Chi, has been campaigning for this role for years. So the only tweet that I had could sort of research and find. And I thought he did one before this, but this is the one everybody seemed to come back to. Uh, December 3rd, 2018. He tweeted at Marvel saying, okay, Marvel, are we going to talk or what? And hashtag Shang-Chi. Now, fast forward to September of 2021. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings has been released. He is in the lead role as Shang-Chi. So dreams do come true. Um, as far as some of the background for the movie. So the movie is directed by Destin Daniel Creighton, uh, who most recently just directed Just Mercy with Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Uh, writers for the movie include Creighton, uh, Dave Callahan, and Andrew Lanham. Lanham wrote Just Mercy along with Creighton. Uh, Dave Callahan helped write all three Expendables movies, 2014's Godzilla, Zombieland 2, Wonder Woman 1984, 2021's Mortal Kombat, and is currently in production for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2, and apparently the newly announced Expendables 4. So he's got a pretty big list, I think, of relevant movies. Wow, yeah. Uh, I I <laughs> was trying to debate if I want to go through the cast list because I'm going to butcher every fucking person's name, and I you decided do I I oh, don't want no I don't want that you'll kind of pressure. Nail, I I nail that you'll is nail one of them I, for sure. I, I, you'll I mean, nail it, one. It, it it would be really I, I I get the pressure, but it would be really disrespectful if we didn't try. <laughs> I all right. I'm gonna all right. I'm, I'm prefacing. I'm butchering butchering everyone's name. So bear with me. Uh, Simi Liu for Shang-Chi. Tony Chi Wai Lung is uh, Zhu Wenwu. 
right? Did I get that right? No? Leung. Leung. Okay. Yeah, see, I'm already screwing up. Uh, Aquafina, I know her. She's in there as Katie. Uh, cameo by Ben, ben Kingsley is back. Uh, Menger Zhang as Zayling. Uh, Fala Shen as Lee. Michelle Yeoh shows up as uh, Ying Nan. Hey, yeah. Uh, who else is relevant? I'm trying to look at other bigger roles. I don't know if I missed anybody else. It's Wong. a Flor- uh, Florian Montanu. Oh, is the 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 body the henchman guy? Razor Fist. Yes. Razor Fist. Yeah. I think that, that are... honestly that guy's name like I I don't really know Razor Fist, but it struck me as like this weird mix up of like Fire Fist from Deadpool two and Taser Face from Guardians two. I, I kept 2. thinking Taser Face for some reason too. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't shake that, but that that kept coming back to me the whole time. Um, all right, so that's most of the cast. Uh, currently, the movie is sitting on Rotten Tomatoes with a critic rating of 92% and an audience rating of 98%. Holy Which is one of shit. the highest rated Marvel movies, if not the. I don't know what... I didn't compare with the other ones, but having both of those in the 90s and for the audience at 98%, that's fucking huge. Uh, Metacritic's a little bit more mediocre. Uh, they have the meta score at 71, user score 7.6. Um, I was trying to look at box office also. Uh, so the film made $75.5 million when it opened. Uh, ended with a $94.6 million if you count the whole Labor Day holiday, that four-day holiday. For comparison, Black Widow opened to $80.3 million on its opening weekend. Uh, Shang-Chi brought in another $35 million in the second weekend, bringing worldwide total to $176 million. It is, and currently, it is still not having been released in China. So that's a worldwide number of almost 200 million with not having one of the biggest box office uh, revenues, at least as far as modern movie going is. And I don't know if there's a plan to even release it in China. I don't think it's going to get a release. So I don't know if they're so going to go around that or not. It beats out uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse uh, narrowly as, as far the, as the Rotten Tomatoes highest rate. rated comic book movie not just marvel yeah comic book movie by the audience that is some high praise then well done shang chi uh one of the other things um and this is sort of sidetracking but it's somewhat relevant since we talked about sort of the last time but we did talk about scarlett johansson's lawsuit against disney over black widow's release to theaters and disney plus the same she same day shang chi did not release on Disney Plus the same day as theaters. So that might have helped its numbers. Um, Marvel also made it a point recently that all of their upcoming movies will only be released theatrically. So I guess it's it's really unclear, and I guess you could have connected the dots if you want to speculate here, but it's unclear specifically that is because they have more faith in the resurgence of theaters or a direct result of the lawsuit with Scarlett Johansson. Maybe it's both. Who knows? Um, also some of the other internet scuttlebutt that's going on right now is talk with the, uh, the Russo brothers to return to direct a Marvel movie, but those talks have stalled because of a direct result of Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit, basically meaning they don't want their movie to release on Disney plus first. So they have to now, and this is probably going to be the going trend as part of the lawsuit is anybody that any, any director working with a studio now is probably going to have to specifically put in their contract. No, I don't want my movie released video on demand either 
like premiering there or day and date in the theaters. They're going to have to specifically say somewhere in there in the fine print, have to put it in theaters. That's where I want it to go. I don't care what the hell's going on. So we'll see what goes on forward. But so far, it seems like Marvel is pivoting from Black Widow. And I don't know if we're going to see another straight to Disney Plus premiere for a Marvel movie, which is good. I'd, I'd rather see them in theaters first and see how they do. So, you know, what I had read was Shang-Chi was... I did not see, like, the press release you're talking about where they said all will be now... Like, n- none of the further Marvel movies will be on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I hadn't seen that, but I had seen that Shang-Chi was different because it's only getting a 45-day run at the theater because I think of that's, Eternals. Uh, I th- well, I think that's going forward. I guess I maybe I'm... I have to fact-check some stuff, but I was under the impression, I guess, from what I read, that going forward, most theatrical windows will be 45 days now. So yes, Marvel well, I, is saying I think that's we're going because Marvel is packed in so much. Well, I think a lot of studio other studios are doing that themselves too, and I think Marvel's starting to follow that trend that other studios okay. like. I forget, I know we talked about it before, and I don't remember what studio started that, but somebody was pushing to cut the theatrical window in half from ninety to forty-five, and then some theater chain agreed to that. It's been spiraling since then, and everybody's trying to find that happy medium between video on demand, digital stuff and theater release windows. And 45 days seems to be the happy medium that people keep coming back to. So maybe it's a combination. I think they that they're going to be putting most of their movies into theaters, if not all. I, I could have sworn I, I heard their upcoming slate is just going to be in theaters. And I would right, think it, within 45 days, they're probably going to hit Disney+. Plus. Well, what they had said was they will be on Disney+. Plus. It's going to be like a purchase thing at first, the way... Like they were before. Okay. It's not going to be that same premiere price. Okay. I don't think. Uh, but I think just like Black Widow, I think Black Widow hits Disney Plus October sixth. Okay. Well, that again, you know, yeah, so yeah, it's I guess, like you know, three months later. Still, it's going to be free on Disney Plus. But that interim month and a half, I think you're going to be paying a price for it of some sort. That's right. I'm forgetting about the whole like we want to put this on like physical media too, and we need that release window to come out. So it's probably 45 days or so, and then. Yeah, probably another I, 45 it's yeah because it's, it's usually be a three months before yeah they they release it in in for like home video release and stuff like that so yeah that makes sense so maybe i'm jumping the gun on the 45 day release i i don't think it'll leave theaters and then the next day be available on disney plus i think right, there will be right, a time right. when it's neither yeah okay yeah that's a good point so yeah we'll see we'll see how they go keep it you know this all dependent on what goes on with real world events and i don't know if, how soon we're going to come out of the whole pandemic side of it but there might be enough people vaccinated now that theaters are not going to shut down again so they might still just be pushing stuff into theaters for the time being i mean again up until what last week there was a couple other movies that started moving around like ghostbusters shifted back a week venom got moved up like i don't know why the fuck they decided to release that release that earlier everything else is getting delayed probably to get into a slot they liked better maybe so yeah, it, the yeah release schedules are still a shit show. So we'll it's 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 not something I like to bring up because every time we talk about it, it changes the next week. So it's hard to keep track of any of this shit. Yeah. Um. So anyway, let's get into Shang Chi. So from this point forward, we're going to discuss spoilers for the movie. So if you were not caught up on Shang Chi and just want to cover our asses, uh, this is the spoiler alert. Um. Also, I'll extend it out there for any other MCU property, uh, as a whole. So you know, if you're not caught up on the MCU. Uh, pause us now and come back after you've caught up to 26 movies or whatever we're up to now. <laughs> uh, last call. Spoilers to follow. 
Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. Alright, so we are free to talk about whatever we would like to talk about. Um, I think maybe we'll just go around the horn. I'll just sort of talk generally. What do you guys think about the movie? And then we'll get into sort of specifics after that. So, Andy, since you're probably the freshest, uh, what did you think of the movie? Give us some thoughts. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I wasn't sure really what to expect because I don't really know a lot about Shang-Chi. Yeah, me neither. Um, no, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I liked that it was very much its own like self-contained movie. Yeah. With like Easter eggs to the Marvel Universe when... um. Like, if you were paying attention to the Marvel Universe stuff. So right, right. I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Because nice. I, I like the interconnectivity. I, I really do. But sometimes it's nice to have something that's just its, its own. <laughs> A little bit more self-contained. Yeah. I got you. Uh, but, Mike? I'm yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, yeah. I was, I was going to pass it on. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Um, This, right off the bat coming out of it I was like this is going to be a rewatchable experience um it was a lot of fun it did what I wanted Black Widow to do to kick off the next phase okay of Marvel movies where now there's a whole bunch of questions there's a whole bunch of ideas and there's a a look toward the future yeah what's coming much more so than what Black Widow did where Black Widow had the one little chestnut in, you know, a post-credit scene, which I'm not going to talk about what that is, but it had that one little bit about the future, and the rest of it was with the past, and this movie took it and gave us where Marvel is going. Yeah. And we now have a much clearer idea of that, and I thought that was great. Um, The humor in it, the fight scenes, every, like, it was just all good. Like, everything... I have nothing bad, really, in my mind to say about this movie at this time, which is rare for me. <laughs> uh, Josh, what do you think? Um, that's uh, very much kind of what I was going to say, is just how Mike ended there. Um, not that every movie that I would say was near perfect means that there's only one way to make a perfect movie, but I only have three quasi small critiques that i wrote down yeah about this there's very little about it that seemed unfocused that seemed fluff that seemed like it it's it's just damn good like it, it just really came together in every possible way yeah uh did anybody see it more than once no, no, okay. meant to, but did not get to. I I did go twice opening weekend, and I would still go again. Like I I did like it that much. Um, I thought it was really cool. I loved like the whole mythology they built up around the movie, like the backstory and the lore. All that stuff was awesome. Uh, I think it has some of the best, if not the best, fight scenes in a Marvel movie. Possibly even just like action movie fight scenes. Like I, I think it's easily the best in Marvel. Okay. Um, Personally, yeah. Uh. I thought the the visual style was very unique, especially for like you know it's a it's a genre and a style that Marvel hasn't done yet. So, and again, I to me that's further proof that Marvel just knows how to make an origin movie. 
So I don't care who thinks this stuff is just formulaic and they can just keep pumping them out. That's part of what makes this great is they can keep doing this and yet they still feel different and fresh. And there's not one that I've disliked. Like they continue to find ways to make these in make these stories interesting and for me to care about these characters, which is ultimately what's going to make me want to come back and watch more. So yeah, I think they fucking killed it. I I love this movie. Um, we'll hit some of just the the regular stuff we hit, and then we'll, we'll sort of spin from there. But as far as like story and stuff, how do you guys feel about the story? Uh, we'll spin around to Josh for this one. Very engaging. Um. I, I went into this with a lot of skepticism of my own um, uh, preferences, I guess. Like, not that I thought they would do it bad or that it, it would just, like, by its nature would be bad, just that I wouldn't click with it very well. Yeah. Um, the relationships that they build between... Uh, Shang-Chi and Katie are amazing. Um, I didn't see the idea of um, fr from from the little bit of marketing I saw, I, I didn't predict, uh, didn't even cross my mind, the idea of having the sibling relationship there and being so integral and that it's mostly at its core it's a complete family conflict film. Um, yeah. All the pieces to that uh at, you know as the story went the characters grew as they needed to they came into their own acceptance um at the times that they needed to at the various points that, that were required um most of the third act especially like the second half of the third act holy shit didn't see any of that coming <laughs> um uh yeah yeah i, I mean i it, i know i'm being like very high level here but like story story wise it was just it was very engaging um it, it just kept chugging along and like i said earlier it just it didn't seem like there was fluff there wasn't a, a scene or two where i felt well they're just stretching this out why did they just go from a to b cut this section out why do we even need to know that um it all worked really well yeah i think like like you were talking about the third act like up until the third act I felt like the movie was pretty grounded with maybe some magical rings. And then you get to the third act and it just got weird. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? But by then I'm so into it. I'm like, let's go fucking dragons and shit. Who cares? This is awesome. Yeah. Like, and, yeah, and, it was great. And that's, the, I think like from a story aspect, the fact that, and, and I guess this, this definitely goes into other things like production design and just approach to it. It, I accepted it, you know, a whole cloth because it leaned into the notions and the foundations of Eastern histories and cultures yeah. and mythologies and folklore. So it did not seem out of place for those people in that part of the world with that history to be experiencing conflict with those types of forces manifesting yeah, yeah, yeah. in that way. Like it all made sense. I did not get pulled out one second. The moment I see, you know, Loch Ness or, a giant devil bat monster thing come out of a mountain like it, it was all there like i yeah I, I just accepted it immediately uh mike what'd you think of the story um i mean to add on what to what josh was saying there's not a whole lot more i would get to okay i i think they did you know a fantastic job telling the family story um and touching on you know Something I don't think we have seen much in Marvel. 
we've seen a lot of family and you know daddy issues pop up yeah. quite often. It's a thing. It's a very real theme in Marvel, but they didn't. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I really, other than like Thor and Loki, which is kind of siblings, they don't really touch on the whole brother sister thing. You know, like it's not really something they've gone and tried to do anything with. And here they did it, and it worked really, really well. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, I just from you know the way they told the story at the very beginning in the opening scenes when his mother is telling him the legend. Of the Ten Rings. Yeah, yeah. Kind of weaving that all together. Um, and just dropping those bits of the story you needed to know about how things happened along the way. With, right. you know, the history of things. I really enjoyed what they did. Um, I have lots more to say about other things, but Josh summed it up very well. Okay. Uh, Andy, what do you think of the story? I thought the story did a very good job of... Um, causing me to ask questions as the movie went on and um almost to a frustrating level not revealing the answers until like the most opportune moment <laughs> if, if that makes any sense that's um, good storytelling mm -hmm. right there yeah because like i was so frustrated to not know what happened to his mom for so long i'm like oh man they're just gonna fucking dangle that and leave it <laughs> <laughs> and I was, like, frustrated that they weren't, like, doing the flashback for that. But they, they crafted it very well. And when I actually you actually do get to see what happens to the mother, it, it's rewarding. Yeah. You know? So um, I thought they did that. At the end of the movie, I was, uh, during the movie, I was frustrated for not getting the answers to the questions I had in mind. I'm like, what about this? Like, they should have answered it already. Like, damn it. <laughs> but at the end of the movie, I'm like, wow, that was actually a very good way to to uh, pose the story to us yeah <clears throat> yeah i think they, they like i said i think they did a good job crafting a good like different side like not even just the magical side but i guess a different side of the magical side like you know dr strange is magic but this is still like mystical with some of the stuff that they deal with which was still kind of cool and fantastical and i i loved the way they crafted that kind of thing and uh like you guys have been saying about the sibling stuff, I think I think the relationship between uh, what's her name, Zayling, right? Mm -hmm. I think, and and mm -hmm. Shang Chi, I think that was a really good backbone for the story to see how that played out, and really interested to see where they go from here because it seems like it ends that their their relationship on a cliffhanger to see where the hell that goes. So that that could be cool. Uh, let's move to maybe just direction. Uh, Mike, what do you think of the direction for the movie? Uh, you know, I, I guess I I always have a tough time on what to include in direction other than just like it, it was pretty. <laughs> um, but I mean, it really was beautiful. Um, you know, they managed with, I guess, their ideas. Like the one thing that comes to mind is like they managed to create that forest, I guess. And it's more of a special effect, but it's also direction as in the the ideas they had, I guess, for how to shoot the scenes of the forest and how to shoot all the... I'm trying to think of the way to put it. Um, linking things together with shots. You know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking of, like... Like editing? 
Well, they, like planned shots, you know what I mean? Like okay. they have it planned and they're they're saying like, you know, the way that the they show you like the water temple, you know, or not the water temple, the forest, but it's water. You yeah, know what I mean? Like yeah, when he yeah. puts the two eyes in and you see all that and then they kind of just go into it. That shot where it, it was impressive. You know what I mean? And like I I'm trying to think cuz I like I want to talk about the fights. And I don't know if that falls into directing or if you have another... I mean, we can get into choreography and it's a separate thing, so... Okay. So, I mean, other than that, I, I feel like um, I was impressed, I guess. And I don't know how much of the credit goes to the directing team, but I was impressed with the performance they got out of Aquafina. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. Because before I'd seen her really only kind of making an ass of herself in comedy. You know what I mean? Like, what comedians do. Yeah. And she still manages to be funny here, but she also manages to be a serious character that works. And Yeah. I I was impressed with that, because I didn't... That, that was one of my biggest concerns going in. Because I don't think she had a serious role before this. Not that I'm aware of, or in a movie that I watched. I guess. Yeah, I don't know enough about her like filmography to know one way or the other. The um, only one that comes to mind, and, and I know we're not on like actors or characters yet, but um, I could be wrong. I think she was nominated for a Golden Globe for something this year or last year for a drama role uh, for a movie called oh. the 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 Farewell. So, okay. Yeah, that's all new to me. Uh, but other other than that, yes, mostly she. I, from what I understand, that I've seen her, she's been in yes, more of a comedic, comic relief role, etc. Okay. You know, it, it, again, it's hard for me to determine what all are really good shots. But I mean, like that's why, I like with the fighting and all that, I come to some of the camera work that was done. Yeah. I guess that falls into direction during the fights, uh, specifically during the fight on the side of the building. Yeah. Um. You know, yeah, the choreography, the fights, all that, whatever, they're good, but the camera following it on multiple levels and the shots where you're actually able to see, it was something I found impressive, I don't know if you guys noticed, but you're able to see um, Zay Ling fighting in the background and Shang fighting in the foreground, and both fights are choreographed and happening at the same time and having things happen, and you're seeing it all. Yeah, I mean the, the camera shot is such that it's it's working, and I found that to be really cool. I always love like wide angle shots when so they're doing some sort of action sequence, like just being able to see everything that's going on in frame. One, mm -hmm. you know, they can't fake it as much. Like it's it's and and if it, especially if it's a longer shot, like you know they're doing what they're meant to be doing. You're not cutting around stuff that didn't work. You're not zoomed in on stuff that you just to keep other stuff out of the frame. Like that's. That's stuff that impresses me. So I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. And other than that, I'll just I'll pass it along so I don't just ramble on. Okay. Uh, Andy, anything for direction? Um, I think I would have to agree that the camera shots, specifically for me in fight scenes, uh, the bus scene, I thought had some really cool shots, like where you, you were looking from one end of the bus to the other and watching him do his stuff, almost as if you were the driver or a passenger. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I thought uh, the director did a good job of determining whether someone delivered a line correctly or in a way that fit the movie. Because I feel like everyone gave a very good performance, not just Aquafina, like... Um, 
And sometimes like lines or demeanor when you're saying a line like doesn't quite fit with what's going on at the time, you know, but I felt like this one was pretty freaking spot on. And I, I think that that can be difficult uh, from a directorial standpoint. Um, and I, I don't know if it's a direction thing, but the I thought the, the flashbacks were very um, on point, like like. You knew when they were happening, but not over, like they didn't go like, this is a flashback, you know, like you knew, you knew it was <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Um, so they were tastefully done, I thought, and uh, there were a lot of flashbacks, but I always felt myself wanting to see what had happened in the past. Yeah. And sometimes flashbacks, you're like, well, that was dumb and pointless. <laughs> These ones all had had a point. Like, they were all part of the plan, which I, which I enjoyed. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm not Josh? sure if that's, yeah, like a storyboard or a directing thing. So, sorry, Josh. No, no, no. That, I think it definitely falls under a, a director's uh, decision, you know, working with, working with the script to determine the best way to edit it um, and, and put it together. Um, think about how differently the movie would play if it was simply shown in chronological order that all the stuff that you got of them as kids was presented first. That was the first, you know, 15 to 18 minutes of the movie. Then it progressed to them being a teenager. Then he's grown up and then it, you know, it takes off from there. The, the use and the utilization of past information at critical points in the plot and emotional uh growth points of the characters uh that's what made it so successful for me um there's a way to use flashbacks or non-linear storytelling um that can seem uh, too convenient sometimes uh I, I feel like some some stories or editors directors whoever's you know making the big decision will say well how are we going to get the audience to have this reaction that we want oh i know we'll save this critical piece of convenient information for the last 15 minutes of the movie and then we'll show you a flashback that explains it and then it's there um one of the most successful i know i i reference this movie a lot i realize in a lot of our discussions but one of the most successful movies i think uh that easily comes to mind to use nonlinear story telling in this way was the first deadpool that movie goes back and forth for big chunks of time yeah. very often throughout <clears throat> it. Um, that is a good way to do it. That's an effective way to do it. Uh, Shang-Chi also does it really, really well. Um, you, 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 starting with the, the, starting at the place they did, then you only get like a, a tidbit of what happened. And I think it goes back to what Andy said earlier, like, they gave you the breadcrumbs and you kept wanting the answers to the questions. And if they had presented it in a different way, you wouldn't have been asking the questions because they would have already given you the answer that you didn't even, you know, get to ask about yet. Um, and you got to think about someone that like, hasn't seen like going into this movie blind. Like if you haven't seen a trailer or anything, you don't know what this is about, that it's supposed to have like fight choreography and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. The way the movie presents the story to you, is you get the flashback of Shang-Chi's mom and dad, and he's born, he has the pendant on his necklace, and then you fast forward to present day, he wakes up, he has the pendant, 
nothing at the beginning of the movie tells you he can fight. Right. Yeah. So when you get to the bus, that's the like, oh shit, what's going on? He can fight. Because even there's a, you know, they tell the story in the bar of like, he got jumped by this dude. He didn't fight the guy. Aquafina stepped in and stopped the fight. So you never even hear about him surviving a fight. So that's a fun setup and payoff to bring that type of reaction and that surprise for people that don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and looking at the, the director's past stuff, I'm only familiar with two things. Um, the one movie you mentioned, uh, Just Mercy, um, that also stars Alison Brie. Um, I'm sorry, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Um, yeah, okay. is, oh, is yes. Yeah. Okay. Part of that cast yes. as well. Um, and the other feature of his that I'm familiar with. Uh, that I know about is called The Glass Castle, also starring Brie Larson. Um, haven't seen that one, but f- from what I know of that prior work, um, this movie is so fun because on paper, none of the elements seem like that's who you should pick to do those things. Yeah. That you're you know aware of the big stuff. Like, for the most part, no offense to this gentleman, he's an unknown director. Simon Liu is a very Nothing about unknown those movies actor. Like Aquafina is me, the most like, recognizable person in the movie going into it. Yeah, that you like, know. Nothing in about nothing about the movies you mentioned is like okay, this guy can handle big blockbuster action movie. Nothing, you know, this, tons of special effects, supernatural right. occurrences, right. all that. Um, and to be fair on that, him, I think he nailed it. I was to be fair yeah. on that note. Tony Leung is actually fairly well known as a martial arts movie thing. He's kind of a big deal, kind of the way that um, what's his name was for uh, when he did Rogue One, uh, Donnie Yen. Okay. Um, get kind of the same. They they pulled him from having done a bunch of martial arts films that he was extremely well known to be very good in. Both so, acting and in action scenes. So the only clarification I would add to that, and I think you're 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 right about that, but from a mainstream American audience perspective, Western audience, it's different. Yes, yes, yes. and I guess that's that's what I mean. Is if you're gonna, you know, if you're making this in big part, not entirely now, but for in big part for a Western audience and whatnot. Yeah. When Aquafina is the biggest recognizable thing in your trailers. And you pull off what all of these creators did. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I agree. Um, do Do you want to spin the characters? We just we'll hit the big three, and then we'll sort of spin off into like I know we're waiting on fight choreography and stuff like that, so we'll spin to there after some characters. Um, maybe I don't know if who we didn't start with. Uh, Josh, do you want to do characters? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a shot at it. Um. What I found so enjoyable about this, and I think Mike was the first one to say it, that this film seems so rewatchable automatically. Yeah, uh, I've only seen it once, and like Brian, you said, like you've seen it twice, and you would go back again. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. itching to if I if I find time to if I don't get there before it's out of theaters, like I can't wait to see it again on on Blu-ray or or streaming or something. Um, the actors specifically just made this like so enjoyable and they're like the chemistry the whatever like if they screen tested you know Simon Liu with with Aquafina especially the two of them uh, it put Shang-Chi in the center of the web 
his his interaction with Katie, his interaction with his sister, and his interaction with his father, all separately especially, were just like like golden casting. Like everybody worked, yeah, marvelously together. Um, the only and this is, this is one of the few I said I only have like three small critiques. This is not a shot at him, but it's more of like of the character. I freaking loved the surprise of Trevor Slattery showing up. <laughs> Didn't see that coming in a million years, and I was just smiling like an idiot for the first three minutes after <laughs> he turns around. The only thing with him, for me, it seems like, especially once they reached the village, story-wise and, like, editing-wise, like, they had no idea what to do with him. Oh, yeah. Um, you he, have no idea where he ends up. Does he stay there? Does he come back with them? We don't know. Right. And, <laughs> and I feel like you only get, like, especially, like, during the, the battle itself and whatnot, like, you only get, like, two shots of him during it all just because, like, they're like, okay, this was fun to all tie together but now that we're here what role do you actually need to play very little to right. none um and, and like i said if if that is like one of the worst small three things i could point out about this you know that sort of stood out to me um that's that's saying a lot but um i, I thought i i loved getting to watch michelle yao you know walk into this um uh tony leung uh, uh nailed it uh in in sort of that i want to be a caring father because in my in my mind i'm doing nothing wrong i'm i probably know i'm a criminal and probably murderer and all that stuff but from the family aspect nothing about anything i've done or that i'm trying to do now there's nothing wrong with it and that's a a, a hard line to walk as a convincing character and I will say the like the one thing that I felt like I walked out of the movie thinking that surprised me was that they his character specifically like the the re, the the real Mandarin quote unquote I gave more of a shit about him than I ever expected to in this movie mm. mm-hmm. like I expected to just be on Shang Chi and just be like okay I'm following him and his story and I got so invested in uh, his father's story that by the end of it I you know. With it, the build up to the end when he sacrifices himself, you're meant to feel something, and it hit me harder than I thought it would, given the way the movie played out. So that's a success in itself on doing well by that character that I gave a shit when he died. I feel like that a lot of that comes from you know how the character's built up. You know, what I mean, he is this person that's corrupted by these rings. You know what I mean, and I think we see that. I don't know, I guess we're eventually going to learn what's going on with the different colors the rings turn. And mm. because, you know, for whatever reason, they're like that dark blue color with Wen Wu, and they're the golden yellow, orange, whatever you want to, glowing yeah. gold, let's say, when, with Shang-Chi. Which so, they turn the same color when his mother was playing with him, too. Right. And I, I figure at some point they're going to tell us what's going on. Yeah. But, you know, maybe there's something that it sees that it can exploit or something in the person or something. Who knows? I'm sure we'll figure it out eventually. They'll, you know, when they tell us more about them. But seeing that he was corrupted by that, but he was still able to say in the name of love and family, I'm going to put these away and give up immortality. Yeah. I'm going to step aside from being this eternal, powerful 
criminal warlord, whatever the hell you want to call him. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I have a family now. It took how many hundreds or thousands of years for him to find the woman and the children that made him decide to do that. And then she dies and he flips and loses his stuff because he lost his wife. He lost the woman that made him give that up and he felt weak and he turns internally into something else. Yeah. Again, I guess. You know, he has a moment of his own weakness and turns away and it it's something where he does a lot of bad things. You know what I mean? As a character in the past, he goes through a lot of bad things, but he has that full arc to come around to realizing, you know, like, what he did. Yeah. And atoning for it in the end. And I feel like that's why that character really works, is because that full arc happens all right there for us. We're not assuming any of it. Right. You know, and... I think I seen a thing where it was like a poll of like who had it worse with their father son relationship, and they had a bunch of different Marvel characters up there, and it's still Star Lord no matter what. Like Star Lord's dad killed his mom. That's way like it's way worse. But we don't see that happen. We hear him say that he did it. We, you know, I feel like Ego's character arc. There is no arc. Ego's just out for himself the whole time. Yeah, and he, you know, he talks about Meredith a, a good deal, but we don't see it. You know what I mean? We don't we we see a little snippet at the very beginning of the movie of him with Peter's mom, and that's it. Yeah. And here we get that story throughout the whole way, building up Wenwu's character, the Mandarin, whatever you want to call him. We we get that story built up through the whole way, and it it's much better done as a in a character standpoint, right? Um, than I think they've done before with that situation. Uh, so. Andy, what do you think? Characters, or even specifically Mandarin? Specifically the Mandarin, or any characters? Well, we'll since we're sort of on the topic of Mandarin, let's start with Mandarin, then if you want to spin off to somebody else, go for it. Okay. Uh, I, I'm i with you. I didn't expect to... <laughs> I guess technically he's the third iteration of the Mandarin in the MCU. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, Peter Slattery, and then um, the dude from AIM, and then... Yes. And then the actual the actual Mandarin Wang Wang Wu, is that what you said Wen Wu? That's what he says his name is. Yeah. Okay. Uh yeah, you 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 become invested and in, in most of the movie, although you're seeing the movie from Shang like the you're seeing his story mostly from like surrounding Shang Chi, you still get so much background from him that it's 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 hard not to have a moment when he does relinquish the rings to shang chi you know yeah. it's 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 a heartfelt moment and it's it's very well done um i think character wise i think josh touched on a lot of things the relationships that shang chi had with everybody i think really drove the movie and they did a very good job with uh i think he said like screen testing or i can't remember what you called it does uh go chemistry tests yeah, yeah. Um, they did a good job with that. The the questions that I had, um, or I guess I guess like mini issues, they're not real important, but when I first saw Shang Chi having breakfast with Katie's like grandmother and mother and brother, 
I expected maybe the Ten Rings to take them hostage or see them again, have them uh, thrown back into the story at some point in the movie. And I feel like we didn't get anything from that. Um, right. Which leads, which leads me to the, my next thing is when Wong takes her as with Shang-Chi leads me to believe that the scene where the real Mandarin asks her what her Chinese name is. Is that what, is that what he called it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she gives it and her ability to just pick up a bow and be pretty freaking good at it immediately lends me to believe that she is important in a way that will yet to be re- revealed to us. See, I think I spun it a different way. One, I think, I've, at least my my interpretation of that scene when she says a Chinese name was that she made it up. Like, she seems to look across the table at Zayling, like, what do I say? And she just nods like, yeah. And then I feel like she pulls the name out of thin air because it sounds cool. And he just rolls with it because he doesn't know. Like, the Mandarin just rolls with it, not knowing, like, okay, we just made up a name. And maybe less so that she's important, but more, like, as far as Wong taking her along, maybe less so that she's, like, that the name is important, but more that she was just, she's been involved in all the events that happened in the third act. And, like, at least experienced everything with Shang-Chi. So it's like, okay, well, you're pretty much locked into this world now. You can't just go along with your life and, you know, forget what happened and try to pretend that everything's normal now. You are you are here. You're in it. So let's go. And in, in speaking of that, I love how that scene exemplifies that now, like, after the snap happened and the whole Thanos thing and all that happened... They don't care about trying to hide what they do anymore. Wong's just like, I'm just going to open a portal into this <laughs> restaurant and grab these people. Like, yeah. it do- like, listen, it doesn't matter anymore. We're just, like, people get it now. They, they're they not, <laughs> there's no secrecy in, in, in the matter. So, I mean, like, I guess Josh and Mike, how did you guys interpret uh, Aquafina's character? Is she, do you think she's important and stuff like Andy was thinking? Or do you think she's just kind of like winging stuff and going along for the ride? I was more in line with what you said. Brian, um, at least how that like dinner scene played out, but I like Andy's thought process because one of my other three notes was it seemed not believable how quickly she apparently got good at archery so fast. <laughs> yes. Um, like almost like she's a long line of like a, a, a lineage of oriental like warriors or or something to that effect you know right and, and if they can play it that way then it'll feel better how it occurred here because to me it was like very non-organic it was a bit too for me it was a, it was a bit too fast because that, they they, yeah. they needed her to do an important thing in a vital moment but the point of them arriving in the village and you know the them like leading her to the archery range and that moment of like hitting that good shot on the big monster, just like that was way too fast for me to buy into completely. So if yeah. down the road there is something more that we find out about her um, that you sort of suggested, I, I, I that would actually make me feel better about this. So I like that idea. So I hear what you're saying, and it would make that moment better. But I feel like if there, like, if there is something more there that. It has to be done correctly. She cannot 
know about it. It has to be something that she do, she has no knowledge of. Otherwise, it's one of those things of like, so you pulled that out that you had this whole time to shoot that one arrow and that was it. You know what I mean? So it has to have that she's oblivious to the fact that she has something like that going on. Okay. Because if she knew and didn't use it in those moments with, like, friggin' dragons fighting in the air and, like, you know, all the shit happening, it'd be like, why why would you not make more use of your abilities then? Yeah. It, while it, all this was happening. If, if, so if the, it's part of the learning journey for her as we see her more involved, that that would be pretty cool. I feel like yeah. we'll have to, you know, if we get to a point where this, this hits Disney Plus and we can rewatch it again, we'll just have to start Googling the actual, like, Chinese name she gives at the table and see if there is any connection to some character in the end, like in Marvel and, for that. And she says it so fast, it was actually hard to understand what exactly she said. Right. I'm sure if you Google it, there's people that have broke it down. You know, I'm sure there's people out there that have watched it in enough times and seen and figured out who, what the name is and if it matters, because the people do that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, for me, it would be cool if that was her moment of kind of like stepping up to the bat for the first time in Little League and hitting a home run the first time she swings. I'd be okay with that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's rare, but it can happen. She took a shot and she got lucky. And now she has found the confidence or whatever she would need to continue on and become part of the team. Yeah. I would be fine with that explanation, too. I'm fine either way. Which do I think it is? I think she's going to remain a side-type character like that. Yeah. Um, I You know, maybe a little bit more involved than Luis is, say, for Ant-Man. You know what I mean? Where he's, like, there to help. And he's a really fun character, but he's not doing a whole lot more. Yeah. You know what I mean? In Ant-Man 2 than he was in Ant-Man. It's, you know... So let me ask you guys a question. Um, let's say Wong went to get Ant-Man and Luis was there, was with him the whole time. Would Wong have brought Luis with him when he got Ant-Man? I I partially want to say yes. Because, again, what going with my rationale, Luis like, has... Would he go out of his way for it? No. Well, well if, if he again, was there anyways. In my mind, like... Oh, I guess, yeah, if, I guess if he's going out of his way, that might be different. If Luis is there, like, at the table or something with Ant-Man, then yes, I think Luis comes. See, I, I disagree. I, I don't think Wong takes Luis. So I, I that's why I think um, okay. that Aquafina's character, Katie, is more important Yeah, because in, in some way that we that has yet to been revealed. Right. Yeah, at least I'm just thinking, like, in my rationale, like, Luis has seen some shit, too. So like yeah, he he's kind of in it too. I, about the truth you mentioned him, and like they 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 have both just been like sidekicks to the real heroes. But in my mind, Wong would just leave Luis there, and then Luis would be like, "See, this thing happened," you know, and he would tell a story <laughs> about like the the thing being cut into the air. And... Well, Wong would bring him so that he could tell the story later about what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I also feel like Luis wouldn't just sit there; like he just follows Scotty through the portal. It doesn't matter if Wong wanted him there or not. <laughs> that's true he just he just walked in be like, All right, yeah. but at that and point they'd, they'd kind of look and be like how did you get here he's like yeah he wouldn't be invited <laughs> at that point you know <laughs> um i know one of the things i kept thinking like another thing that i sort of walked away from the movie thinking was shang chi 
and even Katie, like their duo and their dynamic is such a fun dynamic. And especially because of the end credit scene, like pulling Wong into karaoke. I'm yeah. like, I just want to see Shang-Chi and Katie hang out with other people in the MCU. Like it doesn't need, I don't care what movie it is. Just show them hanging out and doing karaoke. I'm fine with that. I mean, we, we need a star Lord and Shang-Chi and Katie kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, happen. Like the, the music, like it, it's got a something. I don't know what, but something. Yeah, I'm down oh, man. Throw Drax into that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> just him there standing there while they're having all this fun. Just, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> um, all right. I know we've been when skipping around it, but uh, so the choreography and fight scenes and stuff. Uh, Mike, you've been chopping at the bit. So whatever you want to touch on for that stuff. I Well, first thing I want to say, um, you know, thank you to the John Wick series for leading to stuff like this in the MCU. I think we can kind of all come back to that's where this is going. It's what popularized these types of single shot fight scenes that we get in the first half of the movie. Well, let me um, pivot too, because I, and I don't know if any of you have uh, more viewing experience with stuff like this. I don't watch a lot of them, but just kung fu movies in general, how are their some. action sequences filmed? Are they more wide shots, or are they? Well, it depends on what era you're talking. I mean, it, it it's gone more. It's coming more to that recently. Okay. You know what I mean? And some movies, you know, it would be. I guess sometimes, like, if you look back at, like, the one that always comes to mind for me is Ip Man. And I know that that movie specifically, they have several very difficult things that happen in a single shot, and then there's a cut. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's very fast, very hard to pull off things that, like, Donnie Yen would be doing. And, it, it, like, I'm trying to think of it along the lines of the things they were asking him to do would be unreasonable to ask him to do consecutively without making a mistake. Right. So those are kind of why you would have the cuts. and Kind of Jackie Chan type stuff. Yeah. So getting those in single shots would be insanely difficult. Yeah. And a lot of movies like this still rely on things like that. But not all of them. And... You know, more today you're seeing more and more of it mixed in, I guess. Kind of the way that this is a little bit mixed too, but it's also because of what's happening in some of the scenes. Okay. Um, Like, I think, I think what I would say for, like, this movie specifically is the, the fight on the side of the building I'll come back to as maybe the best fight scene I've seen. Ever. It, because of what you, like I said earlier, with the camera angles, the single shot portrayal of it, as well as incorporating Katie falling off the side of the building on, you know, the scaffolding that's falling apart. Yeah. And following the action down this building and up and around and all, it was unbelievable how well done it was. Um, because, you know, I don't know that we've seen a movie actually take like that single shot type of action to multiple levels of a structure before. Yeah. In that way. And it was impressive. The opening scene um, with his mother and father, when they first meet like that opening fight between them, you know, it, it was beautiful in a way. Where they're fighting, but they're also you can see there's a connection there in 
that whole sequence. The choreography between them is more than just a fight. And I'll be honest, when when they start that fight and like during it, you start to see them like give each other the look as they're fighting. I start the first time I saw it, I'm rolling my eyes. Like, are you fucking kidding me? These people are gonna fall in love, but they seem to be mortal em- mortal enemies. The way the story is starting. And then mm-hmm. again, by the end of it, I'm like, oh my god, they're so in love. This is great. Like, <laughs> I was in it. And it turned. It was like a fight and a dance at yes. the same time. Yeah. Yes. And it, that to me was impressive. It was fun to watch and just all around really well done. But I, I'll, I'll let. Go ahead. Others. Uh, Josh, were you gonna chime in? <laughs> I've had it. Uh, no, I was actually. I, that's what I was waiting to make. Is is the exact dance comment that there's somewhere. Uh, uh, along the way of that conflict that you can tell while she is still protecting you know her her post as you know the entrance to the place and whatnot it, it does become like a con a conflict dance in the way between the two of them um uh the 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 only thing that i i Again, not even like try to pick apart with it, but sometimes when there was a lot happening specifically on that building fight, um, the camera moves a little too quickly at points. It, it's not shaky cam, but it's moving from reference point A to the next spot that they want to get to a little too quickly, and it kind of blurs the image sometimes. Yeah. Um, if they had yeah. slowed that down just a bit, um, I, I, it... They tried to always keep you understanding your reference point. They never wanted you to lose exactly where you were and where everyone else you're watching was in relation to everybody else involved. And that that's what made it so successful. But at times they moved a little too quickly. So I had to take that extra second or two once they reached their new focal point to reacclimate my my eyes to... So it's like the sharper image and like, oh, okay, they've now stopped and what, what has happened somewhere, sometimes along the way from A to B, um, I kind of got lost as, as to where they were going, what was happening a little bit. But other than that, like to polish something like that up, otherwise, um, all, all of it was put together fairly well. And I mean, even for that whole uh, climax scene, you know, you have a couple dozen combatants you know, going at each other, and, and, and there's multiple conflicts happening all over the field. Um, then you have the, them the, the mutually being attacked by the monsters, and then once you're up in the air, when they're, you know, riding Fantasia, and uh, they're, they're battling... Uh, do we even have a name for this demon thing? Know. Whatever the hell it was. I've, I've, I've been calling it the Soul Devourer. I don't know. They, but they, they called, called it the, the darkest one or something. The dark. Was yeah, something they had like a name that. for it, like in, in greatest speaking, of evils or something. A, a short aside on that, the whole damn movie because I don't know a whole lot about Shang Chi other than like interactions with Iron Fist. Uh-huh. I was thinking this was going to be their introduction of Mephisto. I said the exact same thing. <laughs> I, I I was just sitting there like this is going to be Mephisto behind this thing. This is why we haven't seen him yet in the MCU. They've had him locked up. This all makes sense. As soon as they said Soul Sucker, I was like Mephisto. Yes. Yeah, like they're going to do it. Disney's going to do the devil. It's going to happen. Bri- no, Brian they, turned to me. I was sitting like, next okay. to him in the theater. He turned to me, and I think like half kind of said that jokingly, 
and then about two more minutes go by and they share another piece of information about the thing, another characteristic, I forget what it was. But I, I turned back to him, I said, you you might be right. At, at this yeah. point, it's like every MCU property, whether it's series or movie, that, that meme of DiCaprio pointing <laughs> is just going to keep getting longer and longer. Uh, but but I guess to, to digress, there um, you know during that whole aerial conflict between those two beasts, while you have the two smaller figures of Shang Chi, Shang Chi and Xi um, Ling there, like you have to keep your reference. You have to know where are they on it, where are they as it moves around in a you know 360 degree manner right. in relation to the other thing moving around them both in a 360 degree manner. Um, storyboard wise special effects wise like putting it all together it's not easy to do and, and and i think they did pretty well um andy what do you think about fight scenes choreography so i would agree with mike as far as like um best fight scene mate possibly ever uh it was too dark for me to be that mm. though and and that that threw me off um and i think josh also had a good point with like how fast the the reference point changed and like had to reacclimate and with it being too dark and those two things really um didn't really sour it but like i would have preferred a slower transition and a little bit more light to see what was actually happening because i did feel like i lost uh figures like yeah. enemies that were also in black you know right so but i did enjoy watching you almost watched the fight twice because you could see the fight happening and the reflection behind it <laughs> i thought that was a really really cool effect yeah um have, have you guys all seen the movie the one mm-hmm. it has been a while I but not, yes. yeah it's been a long do, time do you remember that the two iterations of the jet lee character had two different fighting styles one was very close-fisted and in a very straight circle i felt i felt like that was uh tony leong's character and uh, the other guy was very like uh, dancey and then like open, open, open palmed and in circuit circular fighting motions. I felt like that was almost what they were trying to go for here. Yeah, because uh, not only um, did Shang Chi sort of adopt it, but his his mother sort of that first fight where it was like the rings versus like the the wind and leaves was very like the one like very close-fisted i'll attack you power straightforward versus like i'm gonna deflect and and throw and Yin and yang thing isn't it it, it might yeah, be but point. i i i kept getting that feeling that it, it was it was sort of like that dynamic and as far as like a, a, a martial arts battle was andy's gonna make me go look up where the one is streaming when we're done recording <laughs> Um, but I, I, I really, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, I know some of you talked about, do you have a favorite fight scene? Cause I actually think I, every, I think I can pick something out of every fight sequence that I enjoyed. I think the, like Mike said, the, the first fight between, uh, Shang-Chi's mother and father is very beautifully done. It's not my favorite, but it's really well shot. Like the, the fight on the building, I think was really complex and interesting and unique. And the part of that fight that I think I liked the most was the part, some of it you see in the trailer, but when Shang-Chi and the the dude in the mask are fighting with the, with the knives in front of the big, like neon screen, I thought that was fucking cool looking. 
But I still think my favorite fight is the one on the bus. Like, I don't know what it is about that fight, but I love that fight. That whole confined space and the way that shot and edited, I thought that was just so fucking well done. And I th- part of it, I think, is the music. Like the the music starts pumping at that fight scene, and I'm just like, "Yeah, get it, let's go, let's fucking go!" Like I'm I'm in it. Like it's great. It, it does it does have that a bit of that like Daredevil season one hallway. Oh yeah, fight yeah, yeah. to it. You know where it's it's like you said, it's confined. All this is happening, but then you put the guy with, you know, Razor Fist was his name, I believe. Yeah. Yep. And he's just slicing everything up, and that was kind of, like, startling at first, because it was like, did that actually just cut through all? Oh, okay, that's really, uh, yikes. So there's something I caught on the second viewing, and try to keep an eye out for it if you see it again, because it's probably one of those things they're like, ah, no one's going to pay attention to it. He cuts one of the poles in the bus, the top, like, through the top part of it and through the bottom of it. The section he cuts out should not still be floating there in midair, but it is, and Shang-Chi grabs it and spins around that section of the pole. It should not even exist. It should fall off of the pole because the top and bottom are cut. But it's in there. Maybe it was hanging by a thread. <laughs> maybe. You know, I, 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 but okay. Maybe, or maybe he's that fast, you know? Could maybe. Or, or maybe it was such a clean cut that, like, it didn't displace the middle piece at all. <laughs> just sat there. So it just, it was there until something jarred it loose. Well, that's what I mean. Like, his, Shang-Chi's weight swings around it. Like, he grabs that section of the pole oh, that's okay. cut out and swings around it. Or oh. they missed that and it was a mistake. Or it welded back together because it was... Because like, you re- figure, like, obviously he's not actually cutting anything. It's just like a CG effect where they just cut out, a, like, edit out a piece of the pole. So it's probably physically still there but sure. yeah you're not focusing on the pole you're focusing on him supposed to be you know swinging around the pole and fighting razor fist so it's not really something you pick up on but i just happened to catch him i was I, like did it in, in that whole scene like had you know the comedy aspect of it too with katie's character being like what the hell is going on oh, watching yeah. her you know her best friend kick the shit up and the dude guys. on the phone that's live streaming <laughs> yeah which the internet told me is the same dude that's from uh homecoming who's on the street and yells up at the rooftop for spider-man to do a flip uh, yeah oh seriously it looks nice. like the same exact dude well, wait that so would i don't be, know if that, that was would on be, purpose that, that they that brought him back queens but... and san francisco right yeah maybe he's, be... a, he's just tourist then he's just hanging out Could there be. wait is that is that um, that's homecoming homecoming yeah yeah that's so the beginning there's... sequence when he's like yeah, come, yeah, yeah he just comes out of school and starts doing neighborhoodly things right trying to talk to happy I'm trying to think of how much story time is in between because the snap happens, the five years is there, so there's probably there's seven to eight years of story time between those moments. So Yeah, theoretically that guy could have been like from New York, man. I'm going to San Francisco. Yep. Yeah. Um what was I Oh, I, w- I was just gonna point out like they, they definitely went full anime by the end of it. Um, oh, yeah. The whole, you know, what he does with the rings at the, at the end there, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't have an explanation for it, but it was just cool as shit. <laughs> like, that was, it was brutal, but cool at yeah. the same time, what he does to the monster. I'm just gonna, <laughs> we, we don't have a real name, I guess, narrowed down for it, but the monster. I'm gonna call him Ken. <laughs> Ken. Ken the monster. Uh, Mike, I think you, you sort of mentioned your favorite fight was the building fight, right? Agreed. Okay. Uh, Andy, did you pick which fight sequence was your favorite? 
Um, Do you have a favorite? Can you pick a favorite? I'd, I'd have to say just because of the um, story implications and the family implications, probably Shang-Chi versus um, Mandarin. Okay. So the third right, act right, fight between the two of them. Yeah, okay. right, right yeah. in front of the uh, the seal. Okay. Uh, Josh, did you have a favorite fight? All of them. <laughs> Honestly, I cannot it, choose. It was it was all really good. Um, I don't know if I have any as far as like other questions or stuff to bring up as far like the main part of the movie. I was gonna jump to the end credits type stuff if we want to spitball some of that stuff. So I don't know if you guys have anything else for the like the main body of the movie. You, you mentioned the Leo DiCaprio meme of him like pointing at the screen. Yeah. And like, oh man, I had that moment watching the trailer, and I know you skipped the trailers. Uh, but you like you got spoiled. You said on Abomination. Yes. But from somebody talking about it. Yes. But the moment when he meets the dragon underwater, I had that moment when I'm like watching that trailer the first time, like Fin Fang Foom, <laughs> and, and like I know now. I guess that's not Fin Fang Foom, it, or it's a different interpretation of the because I feel like Fin Fang Foom is an alien. Correct, and I thought he was a villain, wasn't? Isn't right. He a... Okay, but the dragon they presented shares an awful lot of the characteristics, like you know, I mean, the fins that come out the side of the head. Like there was a lot of the same characteristics, right. but I don't think it's meant to be Fin Fang Foom. But when you see it in the trailer and there's no context, it's just him underwater staring at this giant dragon. Yeah, it was like, oh no, you don't know if it's good or bad in the trailer. So and, one thing I sorry continue if you got more no, keep going I, no I don't um I I was trying to look up because I I knew that they took liberties with the ten rings so I was trying to look up like what are they like yeah. in the comics so the stuff that I had found online was saying the ten rings are like finger rings that are part mm -hmm. of an alien like power source basically the Mandarin finds them from a crashed spaceship that has been here for years mm -hmm. and. F fiddling with this machinery over the course of decades, he picks out ten pieces of this power source, and he can put them on his fingers, and each one has a different power set that he can use. Um, the ship and the rings come from an alien race that are dragon-like. Yes. Which makes me wonder if the dragon that's left there guarding the door is one of those alien species. I believe it probably is going to be that. Because it's never um, explained. I don't remember the name of the alien race that they talked about. I'd have to look that uh, up again. Something with an M. I believe. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember. But well, yeah, I can try to find it if we're if we're spitballing here and come back to it. There, there's definitely something going on more there with the rings, obviously. Um, what I don't, I don't know where they're taking their version of the rings, but. Personally, like, I was only ever really introduced to the Mandarin as a villain as an Iron Man villain. Right. Not, like, movies. Like, in the comics, it was a major Iron Man villain. Right. So, this was a whole new take, and I honestly didn't really remember the origins of the character. So, it's a, a dragon-like race, Axon Carr, or Macluins, from That's the planet Maclu 4. And was it Dragon Man's one of them? Or that I don't it... know. I don't know. I I found something on Mandarin's Rings on Marvel.com. Oh, okay. That's listing what they what they are. So I don't know. I think Dragon Man might be one of them. 
Um, if you know who that is. I, you... Yeah, that off the top of my head, I do not. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think so. But I, I don't want to state that, I guess, confidently okay. enough to say that. But I think... Um, last call. You guys got anything else for the, the main body of the movie? Anything else you want to touch on? We'll get into any credits things. I really enjoyed the um, effects they did with the rings and what he was able to accomplish oh, with yeah. the, like yeah, yeah. The, the power sets that that he sort of finally tuned over the thousand years that he had them. It, it was very cool, and I think he even like surprised himself with some of the things that he was able to do even at the end there, so... I love the sound design for those, too. Like, the big, like, thumping boom whenever he, like, punches something or, like, shoots himself off like a jump. Yeah. It just sounds so cool. And did anybody else get the feeling that, especially in that first fight scene, that um, uh, the the mom <laughs> almost had, like, the uh, Mega Man leaf shield thing going, <laughs> going on? <laughs> <laughs> I can see I, I it was, now that you said that. I, I was looking at it, and I was just seeing, like, the airbender stuff like oh yeah like, yeah uh i'm definitely seeing that but now that you say that definitely <laughs> I, I probably will now not ever not see that <laughs> sorry for ruining that scene <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, all right. I, that's all i had so we'll talk about some like the the end credit scene and then we'll go to rating and, and wrap up uh as far as the end credit scene so we get uh wong picks katie and shang chi up brings him to the sanctum uh checks out the rings as far as we can tell, like sort of breaks them down in their, their holographic projection, whatever they're looking at. And what the rings seem to be having some sort of homing beacon or something like sending a call out to someone or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we get a very non Hulk Bruce Banner that's there. So I feel like that's already a story point. Like, why are you not the Hulk now? Um, and we see Captain Marvel discussing what the rings could mean and who they could be talking to. And point I wanted to make earlier, Josh, you were mentioning uh, other movies the director has done, and two of them had Brie Larson in it. Mm -hmm. One of the things I was reading about the end credit scene was he was specifically trying to pick a reason to get Captain Marvel in the end credit scene because <laughs> he just wanted to work with Brie Larson again. She had a different hairdo this time again. Yes, yeah. The changing hairdos remains a theme for the character in the MCU. I like that. I really want to see more of her with the short hair. I thought she looked pretty cool with the short hair from Endgame. I want them to just let her go full on Mohawk. I want to see the actual Mohawk that the character, at one time at least, had in the comics. Yeah. Like that you um, kind of get the taste of in her movie. With her helmet. More like with the helmet idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, it's kind of tied to that. Because I guess... To me, this is part of the end credits in so much that it involves Wong, and I'm like, part of me wonders what's going on with Abomination and Wong as well. I guess that's one thing we didn't talk about either, too, is just the Abomination cameo and stuff, so we can touch on that, too. I, I feel want. like, because it's tied to Wong, and it's really ancillary to the story and separate, I feel like it fits here. Yeah. But go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. No, it's, like, I'm just trying to set up the scene, and then we can sort of dive into it, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, like... Captain Marvel's there, she gets a call, she leaves, so we'll see, I guess, where her movie takes place, if somehow that is some sort of connective tissue to whatever is going on in the Marvels. Um, and, yeah, so I guess I guess the big question is, any guesses as to who or what these rings may or may not be calling? 
I don't know enough about, like, you know, we just sort of talked about their origin in the comics is they come from some dragon-like race. I don't know if they would be calling that race, which seems like, like, suddenly a race of dragon-like aliens show up to Earth. I feel like that's a little bit out there for Marvel right now. I don't know if they'd go that far. That seems a little too far-fetched for me, personally, right now. Um, I think... Go, go ahead, Andy. I think maybe, uh, j- this is just a guess, but um, I think possibly the previews of The Eternals may have answered that. Oh, see, I've been staying away from those trailers, so I don't know. Well, I, it, showed in front of the, it showed in front of the movie, so for I've me, been hiding from those also. Oh, so did you, like, shut your eyes and go, like, la, la, yes. la, 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 I, la, I la, plug, I bring, I bring earplugs to movies now and play music and shut my eyes during trailers that I don't want to see. And the the, um, the new the new Eternals trailer played in front of Candyman, and I didn't have my headphones, so I just got up and left. Um, I came back like three did minutes you, later. Did you did you by chance go and get some candy, man? <laughs> just gonna keep hammering that joke every home. time it comes up. <laughs> Anyways, um, I, I don't want to spoil the preview for or anything, but they they say they come from a planet thousands of years ago and ended up on 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 planet Earth. So I'm wondering if the rings aren't from the ships that the Eternals brought. Oh, okay. Mm, All right, okay. that would be a fun fun connection. I think that would make sense. But, it, it and it would tie correctly into how they usually do these things, leading into the next movie. Right, right, yeah, right, right, yeah. Uh, so it would make perfect sense for that to be the case. You know, I mean, I I could spitball and tell you I'd love it to be, you know, singing a song to a herald of Galactus, but I don't think that's what's going on there. Yeah, I think you don't think it's what she said. The she is... <laughs> There's our X Men connection. Let's go, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I mean. It, it could the rings be signaling to the Shi'ar? I, I think it's too soon for that, for the X Men connection to go there as a start. Possibly. Um, Dep- depends if they pull that tapping for a while. You know, there, there's things I would like to say about that. It, um, in terms of like stuff you don't want me to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not gonna. But there's there's a possibility that that stuff, you know. So this there, might be an easy explanation. We might somewhere. be just talking about this when we talked about Eternals in two months and connect the dots there. So, but that, that's what I think that that's, we're going to see just because it makes sense. Yeah, that that's that's without grasping it like a whole bunch of different straws that you could really grasp at. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the most. I mean, this is the time to lay your outlandish claims and, and speculation easiest. on on record, and we'll see if you know yeah, two years from now if someone called it. So. Although, I, if you see the trailer for the Eternals, it could be other things, I guess. But I think that's a a much larger leap. Okay, so maybe we'll revisit after Eternals comes out. And see if we think it's answered or if we still have to spitball and talk about who or I mean, what it, might be coming for these things. If, you know, I mean, I don't know how much of a spoiler it would be, so I don't want to say, but I feel like there's That's some... That's safe. Yeah, we'll just move on from there. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, there's another thing going on with the Eternals that's even part of, like, their comic book storyline that's shown in the, you know, in the trailer and all that, that you are, if you haven't read the comics, you wouldn't know anything about that I, I feel like it could definitely be tied to. I mean, like say, 
centrally tied to the story of the Eternals. Because I, I purposely, like, I could have tried to research Shang-Chi before the movie. I didn't. I was just kind of like, let the movie wash over me and tell me what it wanted to tell me. I'm trying to do the same for Eternals, like not research anything about Eternals beforehand and just let the okay. movie show me what it wants to show me. And if I want to do some research it's... after, I will. So if you're referencing anything from the trailer and comics, assume that I don't know anything and we're just going to try to keep it that way. Right, and that's why I'm not saying anything, but yeah. I'm saying like it's it would make sense okay. to be either what Andy said or a, a beacon to what you're going to see in a month and a half at the All Eternals. Right. So then, yeah, what we'll do is we'll revisit this question for Eternals review whenever we get there and see if we need to add anything to it or or specify anything else. We could actually what we could do is uh, is almost have like a uh, an MCU. Um, uh, segment for this new phase as like like almost like a connective tissue segment okay where where almost like something carries from movie to movie you know right now we think it's going to be like the rings and their origin and whatnot and we'll we'll, we'll check that at the next movie segment and see what we think will carry over to the next one so if we if the rings don't carry over to Eternals and it's not answered and they're just still hanging and we just just come back to them every other MCU movie after that to see if, if they're yes. still hanging, yeah. I would speculate a lot more. Yes, if they don't tie to the Eternals, I feel like there's yeah, something because, I would speculate because, much more. Yeah, it, it, it's what what was the thing that Sherlock Holmes said? Like, oh God, I can't remember something about checking all the evidence and no matter how improbable what the evidence points to like you've already eliminated all the other possibilities you know I, I feel like I, I know where you're going but I don't remember the quote either yeah but okay yeah we'll try to we'll try to remember to come back to this then for Eternals and see where we go um I guess just quickly what did you guys think of the Abomination cameo because I sort of forgot to bring that up when we were talking about the movie so I'm going to go first on this only because this is the last of my three points uh, of my list. Um, I didn't understand why it was there. And after 13 years and you have this character show up with everything that occurred in between and you just throw it in here and it's presumably like, I think it's already been confirmed that Abomination is going to be a part of the She-Hulk show. Um, okay. I, I, th there's a lot of heavy lifting that they're going to have to do to make it make sense as to why it was done in this way. Like, I, I thought, I thought not that he would play a big role, but not like it, 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 I don't understand the whole point of giving us that in the context of this fight club, just to show us afterward that him and long or kind of on a thing together that they're kind of setting up the fights and yeah, like I, I didn't understand the point of it whatsoever. I, I think you'll get there eventually and I think one it was to show partially how badass Wong is that Wong is going toe to toe with Abomination and he's just like punch yourself bitch like that was kind of fun. Sure. But the other aspect of it I think is it's it's setting up the Thunderbolts or the Dark Avengers. Which, it's just another step on that trail. Which it, it may, like I said, I, I be, g given the big scale, literal universe altering stuff 
that happened at least once, if not multiple times, in the, between the only two times you see this this character, and all you get is this presentation in this context, <laughs> I didn't see the point in having it there. It it underwhelmed me f- for sure. Like considering this was one of those things, I was like, oh fuck, that I caught this somewhere. Someone told me this and spoiled this for me, and it was literally two minutes of screen time to just be like, hey, look. Abomination still exists, and he's still in the MCU somewhere, yes. living his life. So, peace. Yep. Like I, I was like, what the fuck? Like I thought this was gonna be. I honestly thought when it was sort of spoiled for me that Abomination is in the movie, and I knew that it was part of that like Fight Club sequence. I thought Shang Chi was going to fight Abomination. That was yes. what I expected to see. That didn't happen. He was in there for two minutes, and then moved on. And then I was like, all right, well, that was really, really lackluster. I mean, to be fair, Shang-Chi at that point without the rings could not handle Abomination. It's still a fight I would like to see, but like whether he gets his that. ass Is kicked or not. Like, I, I feel like that would just be puny smashed and dead. Either way. But that's it, why I think, like, to me, that's why I wasn't going to see that fight there. When I, like, you know what I mean? When I was coming into it, I was like, there's, it wouldn't make sense if he doesn't have the rings. Like, when, when it came up at that point in the movie that they're getting to the fight club. Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, like, this... There's no way he can be fighting Abomination in here. Because I was thinking, like you, going from the trailer, like, oh, that's what's going to happen. And then he gets there, and it's so early, I'm like, this wouldn't make sense. Well, to me, I felt like that was a way to for, for another stepping stone to him proving that he can handle himself. If he can handle himself against Abomination. And not to mention, like, we don't know if, assuming they fought, we don't know if the fight would have made its way to the conclusion. So he might have got his ass kicked, but someone broke up the fight before Abomination finishes him off or vice versa, I don't know. Either way, it's still a fight that I wanted to see and was disappointed when it did not happen in the movie. I'll... Yeah. I, if he had some powers, I would I would say yeah. I, I would want to see it. H- him just being a fist fighter, I feel like it's not a fight. Like, the, the abomination is the Hulk power level here. Where, yeah, I'm not, know, he's not trying to argue who's going to win one way or the other. It's just, I'm just saying it's a fight I wanted to see in the movie that did, left me disappointed okay, when it didn't happen. Uh, Andy, I don't know. Would you th- Did you chime in on Abomination's little cameo? What'd you think? I I, I tend to agree with Josh. Uh, like, why? And and what what happened that, that he was so subservient to Wong and be like, okay, yeah, let's go back into your hole. <laughs> like what like seriously he was just like yeah okay let's do this what what is happening there yeah it's very weird <laughs> like are they sort of trying to build their own like suicide squad thing i don't, I don't really know or dark <laughs> avengers some kind I guess, of suicide be, squad yeah some sort of anti-hero hero group i'm not sure well what the last but, time we saw abomination he was in shield like a shield detention center right did we ever see him after, um, what would that be, uh, not Queens, uh. Well, I know he's, he's referenced in one of those one-shots with Coulson, and you're yeah. led to believe he's in S.H.I.E.L.D. custody, right? I think. Now, that would have been before the first Avengers movie, so between yeah. now and then, I don't know how he traded hands to be. I must not have seen that one-shot then. I don't recall. It's just, yeah, it's been probably several years since I've watched most of them. It's supposed to lead into like I I, re- I think it's Sitwell and Coulson talking about Abomination and trying to recruit for the Avengers, and more or less they try to play it where 
So the end of Incredible Hulk, Tony Stark shows up to talk to General Ross. Right. You're under the impression he is there to talk to General Ross about the Hulk. The one shot sets it up that Coulson tells Stark to talk to Ross about Abomination. Ross hates Stark and Abomination so much that he turns the project down so that somewhere along the line, someone wants Abomination on the team. They send Stark to talk to Ross so that that doesn't happen. Yeah. I don't know. They're still seeing Abomination as a weapon that can be used and trained and stuff like that, even though he's been defeated and in custody. I remember the cutscene you're talking. I don't remember the context of it, but I can I like I remember like William Hurt like there and like draw like frazzled and like right. drinking at a bar or something yes. like Like he, out, when Tony comes to talk to him, he never specifically says we're here to talk about the Hulk. He just says we're here to recruit for like the Avengers or something like that. And the whole context of the one shot changes the way that conversation is like plays out where you think he's there to try to recruit the Hulk, but he's there to, to piss off Ross so that the abomination doesn't get picked for the team. Either way, long story short, he, as far as I'm concerned from the one shot, he ends up in shield custody at that point. So how they change hands between there and now being part of the, the, you know, in Wong's custody somewhere, either that or Wong's just borrowing him from shield custody for all we know. I don't know. It's, I mean, it, to set up, like, what, what Andy mentioned, the Suicide Squad thing, the Thunderbolts was a thing that came about during Civil War in the comics. Um, when, you know, like, they needed more super-powered people to track down the heroes that weren't willing to sign on. What was, like, how that started. Yeah. And when it came to... I guess, like, characters like Abomination, Red Hulk, which is Ross, if you're not aware. It, it was something that they, they turned to these bad people and said, like, what do, how do we handle them? And in most of the cases, like Abomination, they chose not to bother. Which is why it still confuses, like, me, why they would, you know, like, Blonsky was kind of off the rails right. at the end. And bringing him back in would be a mistake. Which is why I thought when they were going this route, they were going to do the Red Hulk route with Ross. Um, but I guess we'll find out what their whole yeah, plan I think is eventually. A lot of a lot of the things we've been reviewing as far as MCU related stuff lately, I feel like we do keep coming around to Dark Avengers and Thunderbolts stuff. So you're right. I think I think they are building a team for one of those squads, one way or the other. I don't know when we're finally going to see the assembled team together, but yeah, I think we are definitely leading that route. So we'll see where they pop up. Um, yeah. Anything to add one more time around, or we'll go to rating for everybody. The um, Fight Club. Did you guys notice there was another like sort of cameo in in the Fight Club? I don't know. You might have to tell me. Uh, the um, serum or whatever that the fake the second Mandarin uses. Oh on yeah, the extremist. Oh yeah, yeah. The extremist. There's a there's a a fighter in one of those like low level cages or whatever that he was calling that that had that serum in him. You're right. Yes, that is familiar. Yes, good call. And you also didn't mention the second credit scene. Uh oh yes yes uh when um what Zayling is is meant to quote unquote dismantle the Mandarin's organization but then we see her building it back up. 
So she seems to be, what, in charge of the Ten Rings now? The, the end credit scene says the Ten Rings will return. So mm-hmm. is this going to be another, uh, you know, Hydra-esque organization that we're going to have to see pop up in multiple movies? Is that, uh, is that sort of what yeah. we're expecting? I'm not totally convinced that they'll be all the way evil, though. You don't think? I mean, I'm not, she's like not... I said, I'm not totally convinced of it. <laughs> okay. I think she, there's, she seems there's a neutral. chance that it's only evil when it comes to what she wants, you know, but willing to help the good side if needed. Okay. You know, like one of those anti-hero Venom, but an organization. Yeah, I think I, I don't know. My impression of it, even given the story of, of the movie, I still kind of ended on she's evil and this organization's evil is the takeaway that I took from it. Do they turn her into a lasting version of the Mandarin going forward as a new version of that villain? I don't know. Somehow, See, I don't some know way, if, at some point. I guess one of the things I meant to research and never got around to was I don't know if like that character in the comics turns into another villain or or you know sides one way or the other to something uh, in the comics. I don't know enough about her. Almost Same. like the the title Mandarin it gets like passed generation but, to generation. That's what I was thinking, because if she's in charge of the Ten Rings, that would be the Mandarin. You know what I mean? Like, she would right. become the Mandarin. Right. Uh, maybe take on that title. And because I don't... It, like, is he ever officially called the Mandarin in this movie? I don't think he is. He never... I don't think he ever refers to himself as the Mandarin. Yeah, so... Perhaps she takes on the title, or something along those lines. Like, it, it could be something like that. Yeah. Uh, but, Josh, what do you think? I, I, I was actually sort of thrown off by the impression and the mood that they were giving us out of that cutscene, that stinger, because I thought that her character growth and her arc was not just that I am sad that the culture of my my father and his organization growing up excluded me as a woman, and I would have loved to be in on all of the... Uh, uh, you know, crime boss aspect of it. Not just that, but then um, that she was rebelling against what he and the organization were, were doing just as much as Shang-Chi did. So, to like, when it came back around to the end, and they are showing us, okay, now she's sitting atop it, but the mood of it really does give that vibe off entirely uh, i was thrown off by it so maybe there was a disconnect um that i had throughout the movie um yeah. about, about her per se um but i guess it'll you know uh, we'll just see how things move forward um i guess either way i'm okay with it and then i'll have to just you know rewatch this at some point in a different light um i will say since we're talking about this character uh, specifically the the actress i know we mentioned her way at the beginning but um meng menger zhang this is her first credit of anything this is the only thing she has there's nothing foreign there's no music videos there's no short films there is nothing this is her first role that is a big role to take on in a big way Mm -hmm. yeah she did very well with it yeah i agree 
that normally you see people like even like Sumilu had posted like a bunch of jokes about himself because he was a model in like Staples. Oh, all the stock memes like he was putting up yeah. was great. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, again, last I keep saying it, but la- uh, last call for anything else, and we'll get to we'll do our ratings. Uh, nothing else. All right. Uh, does anyone have their rating ready out of ten? I know every time I feel like I call on people, they're like, "I'm not ready yet." So if anyone is ready, uh, I will shoot. volunteer. Okay, I will shoot. Um, this could change over over time, and I don't know if this like has this is not indicative of any kind of like ranking of MCU in, in general, but this is just my feeling uh after the first time i've seen this and and just how good i'm feeling about this movie i think as as a film that was made and the success of this film and the product that they put together um i think i'm giving this a nine okay uh mike you said you you look like you had your rating ready what do you think uh to me i'd go 9.5 i go a little bit higher um because I, you know, if you can't tell, I really enjoy, like, martial arts films. I, I watch a lot of them, and having that kind of film put into the MCU and done well uh, is really great. Um, And, I, I mean, I cannot wait to watch it again. I cannot wait to, you know, see where they take the character next. There, Like I said, I don't really have anything bad that I feel about the movie. It to me it was incredibly well done and it's gonna I think go down as one of the better ones we're gonna see. Nice. Uh Andy, what do you think out of ten? Out of ten, I was gonna give it a nine. Okay. You you can elaborate or just leave it at nine and I, I think my original uh score was gonna be an eight, but after like that's just Coming out of the movie, like, okay, I, I really liked it. But yeah. the more I sort of, like, digested it and talking with you guys, I'm like, oh, yeah, I like that. Oh, yeah, that was good, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, that yeah, that was pretty good. For so once, I we can bring someone's first... rating up instead of shitting on it and bringing it yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just, um, it, like Mike said, like, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm, like, a, a martial arts movie connoisseur or anything like that, but I do enjoy them, and it, it, it struck those chords to me for the genre and yeah. mixing it with Marvel was really cool. So I, I'd give it a solid nine. Yeah. I think it might actually be like one of, one of our highest reviewed Marvel movies. I'm actually looking at 9.5, I think for this as well. I, I really like this and it's just the, the amount of love and attention that went into this thing. Like, I think it's just fun. Uh, it, again, for being 20, some movies in 25, 26 movies into the, to the MCU as a whole, and to still find something unique and different every time you go to see a movie. Like, I just have to applaud Marvel for that kind of thing. They know how to make their fucking movies and it's great. Um, may I also add that, uh, Jess is not a big fan of like superhero movies. Yeah. Um, generally. And she she really actually very much liked this movie, so nice. I think that that says something that someone who's not not generally a fan of of that genre that it, it also impressed her. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna make everybody try to f- figure out where it fits in your ranking of MCU movies. I don't think this will crack top five for me because I feel like my top five are very hard to crack. Uh, but this is definitely in my top ten for sure out of the MCU movies, and it's got to be like 
six or seven, like just missing the top five, I think for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love this movie a lot. I, again, I would gladly go see it again. I'm going to try to see it once or twice before it leaves theaters again. Cause I just, I, I want this movie to make a billion dollars, which it's not going to because we're in a pandemic, but I feel like if we weren't in COVID times, this could have very easily hit like Black Panther money. Yeah. Like I, I, I wanted this movie to be that successful because I think it deserves did the, it. Did the Panther do a bill? It did. Yeah. yeah. And this, like honestly, with how big the opening weekend for it was, even in the whole pandemic thing, I think it very easily could have hit those numbers right. without a doubt. Like it, right. it, it was on track during this time. I mean, it crushed any of movie that's come before it during the pandemic correct like it's not even yeah. close yeah so th- this one got people out to the theater yes yeah and i think it's it's one of those movies that not a lot of movies you know sustain i guess in their second weekend this still made a pretty good amount of money in its second weekend which isn't always especially now it seems like movies have a good opening weekend they just fall off the radar i think black widow had that problem but mm-hmm. again that might have been because it was available at home so if you want to watch a second time, maybe people decided to watch it at home after that. I don't know. But yeah, it's 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 I'm hoping it sustains in the theater long enough to keep keep churning in some money and making some money because I think I I definitely think it deserves it. I'd like to see it make some money. Um all right, I guess that's it for us. Uh like I sort of talked about earlier, uh try to probably expect uh Ghost in the Shell for our next one. Uh we'll finally get to Rewind Theater and we'll be how many Ghost in the Shell movies are there? Is there three? So are we going to be one third away from seeing Ian for the last time? <laughs> See, I I thought there were uh, three animated and one live. Uh, okay. Ian refused the live action, if I remember correctly. He's like, no, we're not doing that. I mean, we're going to make sure we do it just so maybe he sticks on a little bit longer. But, no, I but think like it... he said, like when we get to it, he's he's just <laughs> as soon as he's done with the third animated one, he's just gone. All right, so either way, the stat still holds. We might be a third of the way from from never seeing Ian again. Yeah, the third animated one may be like one of those like direct to video sort of spiels. I mean, at this point, I'm just counting on Ian to tell us what to watch and when. <laughs> he's he's the one that knows this franchise. Uh, so yeah, look out for that. Hopefully, we'll do that next week, and uh, that'll be the next one we have out. Uh, after that, I think Josh and Mike are cooking up some uh, horror movie stuff for you guys. Uh, the inmates inmates are going to run the nut house on that one. <laughs> We're going to talk about what's uh, a couple movies that have come out this uh, horror season and what else is to come. And uh, there's been some big changes on like releases and methods, too, with uh, specifically Halloween. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's we're going to talk about that. Streaming, isn't it? Yeah. You'll have to listen in to get the details. Yeah, we'll, right. we'll plan for uh... that. Hopefully, what, sometime <laughs> beginning, beginning of October, I think we're, we're queuing that one up, hopefully. Okay. Should be yeah, just 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 in time for really the the spooky months to start. Yeah, I think the way that falls, it'll be like right at the end of September, beginning of October, somewhere in there when that one pops. So keep an eye out for that one as well. Uh, and that's it for us. So if you've uh, enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. Uh, you can follow or subscribe to the show on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher. Uh, hopefully, and where you can find podcasts, you can find us. Uh, as always, check us out on Facebook, search Bry Guy and Super Friends, or go to facebook.com slash Superfriends. Uh, you can send us questions, comments, topic suggestions, and uh, any of that stuff there. Uh, try us on with an email, uh, Superfriends at gmail.com. It's live. It works. I won't check it. Hit us up on Twitter at BG Superfriends. That I will be able to see. 
Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitch, Jedi Bry Guy. That's Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Andy, shut up. So and whenever we did decide to do a live show, we will probably do it there. I, I I keep bringing it up, but I feel like what you guys don't know is we have so much technical difficulties behind the scenes. I'm very hesitant to ever do a live show again because it's, it's going to fall apart. Uh, but if we ever get our technical issues figured out, we will we will try to do another live show. Um, but yeah, that's it for us. On behalf of Andy, Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, boy!